welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. We are live and on the air as always. Thank you very much for listening in or watching if you're, uh, if you're one of those people checking us out on YouTube. Obviously, you can check out the show on Stitcher and TuneIn and WorldSoccerTalk.com slash live is the easy place to go on the Webernet to listen to the show. Again, thank you very much. Podcasts available on iTunes, Backyield.com, WorldSoccerTalk.com, et cetera, et cetera, so forth and so forth. Big show for you today. George Qureshi, editor-in-chief of Howler Magazine, will join us in a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about his piece at the New York Times about soccer. I mean, I... Okay, it's more. It's obviously about soccer. He's going to be on the show. He, he does a magazine about soccer. This is a show about soccer, but this is bigger than that. The title of the piece is Who Owns Soccer? And in said piece, George goes into a question of how to make FIFA more responsive to the true, uh, the, true pe- the, the true heart of, of soccer, which is the fans. Let's say it that way. We'll get into the details with George. In essence, he talks about FIFA reform. And that as long as FIFA and its uh, member federations are not beholden to the people who are the quote-unquote consumers of the product, who should be more, pro, uh, more, more p- participatory, then the re- reform will never really come. I, I'm stumbling a little bit. I'll let George explain it, and we'll get into the, uh, the good side and the bad side of his, of his thought process uh, with this piece at the New York Times. Let's hit some news before we do that. I've got a couple of things here. And we'll definitely open up the phone lines after we get done talking to George for your thoughts on a Friday. Whether you're looking forward to MLS, uh, perhaps you've got Women's World Cup on the mind, Copa America, obviously, ongoing. Neymar in the news. Here you go. Peru beat Venezuela 1-0 at Copa America last night. Uh, Pizarro with the goal. Now all three teams in Group C on three points. It is madness and chaos at the Copa America, as it always should be. Now, we would prefer that Arturo Vidal not be wrecking his Ferrari and getting DUI arrests. Then we prefer that Neymar not be suspended for uh, an attempted headbutt. Provisionally suspended for one game for the red card he received at the end of that match. And now a question over whether or not Neymar will be suspended further. I think he has to be, but I'm not sure he will be. That may be the only game he misses, which is the Venezuela game, the final group game for Brazil, who has... One win in the tournament so far. One win and one loss. Obviously, the loss coming to Colombia, and that's where uh, Neymar went off a little bit. Copa America tonight. Mexico, Ecuador, Chile, the hosts with presumably Arturo Vidal on the field against Bolivia. The Mexico game is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Mexicans need to win it. They have to win it if they have any hope at all of advancing in this tournament. And the other element is the... The ongoing for the go, the the momentum going forward for the Mexicans and the uh, confidence that they'll take with them into the Gold Cup under Miguel Herrera. There's a good piece over at Goal.com by our friend John Arnold about the uh, about the issue of Mexico and confidence, and they're going to need to continue to build that confidence with a strong showing at Copa America. Otherwise, they could uh, they could fall apart pretty quickly. Go check that out. No word from U.S. Soccer or MLS on the Clint Dempsey suspension related to his actions in that U.S. Open Cup game on Tuesday night against the Portland Timbers. 
Remember, of course, and this is all we've been talking about for the last couple of days. Clint Dempsey grabbed the referee's notebook or cards or something and tore them up and stomped around like a child. I read a piece uh, yesterday at uh, SoccerGods.com by Steve Davis, noted soccer writer Steve Davis, in which he says that MLS is responsible ultimately for punishing Clint Dempsey in relation to these actions. Uh, That's not the way I, I read the rules necessarily, but I trust Steve Davis. He's been around the game for a long time. He says this cannot be pushed back across the table to U.S. soccer, and then it comes down to MLS. Will MLS have the uh, the guts to do what's right and suspend a star player, especially ahead of both uh, big time summer matchups, uh, rivalry weekend, and Copa or sorry, and Gold Cup coming up this summer as well. Uh, speaking of the new, speaking of the Seattle Sounders, Obafemi Martins will miss three to six weeks with a groin injury he suffered in that same U.S. Open Cup game. Uh, not good news for the Sounders, especially if they also lose Clint Dempsey. Can you imagine having to go a month or more, perhaps, depending on the length of the suspension, without Dempsey and Martins for the Sounders? Now, they were going to lose Dempsey perhaps to Gold Cup anyway. Now it looks like um, they're going to lose Martins for a while as well. A double whammy trouble up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. Speaking of uh, what inclu- also in the Sounders camp, excuse me, Adrian Hanauer addressing what happened on Tuesday night, called it, said, said that the, the game was, wasn't our proudest moment. Said he wanted to address uh, Tuesday evening when he spoke to the media. This is, uh, I believe this is Tuesday, uh, sorry, yesterday. No, yeah, yesterday morning at training. I just wanted to address Tuesday evening. I know there's been a lot of chatter about it on the interwebs. He's stealing my word. We're an extremely proud organization. Right below our logo, there are three words that say passion, courage, and community. We believe that we embody these three words and that everything we do is a positive reflection on them. Tuesday evening, the passion piece maybe went a little bit overboard and was maybe directed in the wrong ways. First of all, stop with the maybes, Adrian. That comes for that goes for players, coaches, staff, and fans. Obviously, the fans involved in this because of the reaction to the refereeing, throwing objects at uh, the official, which required a police escort off the field for uh, the referee and crew. It all, but it all starts with me. I run this organization, and while leading it, maybe I need to look in the mirror, etc., etc. The Open Cup is a tournament we take very seriously. No one can argue that the Sounders have possibly put the Open Cup back on the map for U.S. soccer. Okay. Okay, Adrian, sure. So the passion comes out. We wanted to win this uh, game Tuesday night. We wanted uh, uh, Sounders 2 to win in Salt Lake City. I think that passion may have been misappropriated from plan- from players, coaches, fans, and staff. I thought it was important to acknowledge it wasn't our proudest moment as the Sounders organization, and we're going to do better. We know that people are looking at the Sounders as the bellwether franchise in North America. We always need to be at the top of our game. There's a lot of back uh, uh, back padding, self-congratulations in that statement, but I do give him credit for addressing what happened on Tuesday and the uh, bad look it gives to the Seattle Sounders. Speaking of MLS, you got a game tonight, Colorado hosting FC Dallas at Dick's Morning Goods Park. The Rapids are are on a streak of three games winless. Shutout for the second time in that streak against Real Salt Lake on their in their last match on June seventh. FC Dallas not playing well either. Winless in four, three losses. They lost to the Sounders three nothing last weekend. They've not scored a goal in two hundred and eighty three minutes. The FC Dallas desperately needs a win. Obviously, Colorado, bottom of the table in the in the West, needs something positive to happen. There's a clash for you tonight. Uh, MLS schedule is something we'll probably go through a little bit later in the program. All right, now it is an opportunity.
to step aside, get ready to talk to our friend George Qureshi from Howler Magazine. We'll talk to him about who owns soccer. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Very happy to have on the program a friend of mine, editor-in-chief over at Howler Magazine, Mr. George Qureshi. How are you, George? Hey, Jason. I'm doing fine. Thanks. How are you? It's good. I'm good. It's Friday. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always a little extra chipper on Fridays, like, like most of the country. Um, I can tell. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got an interesting discussion happening around FIFA and governance, and uh, you know, obviously, Sepp Blatter's decision to quote unquote resign, which he he, he didn't actually do, but uh, maybe we can come to the details of that in a moment. Um, is is the entry point point is the lead to a, to a piece you wrote at the New York Times, uh, entitled or New York Times Magazine, excuse me, entitled "Who Owns Soccer?" And, and essentially, George, what you lay out is is how to get to a point where soccer governance is more responsive to the people. Am I right in saying it that way? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the basic idea is that, you know, Seth Ladder, we all complain about Seth Ladder. He's not responsive to, to soccer fans. But when you look at the mechanism for him getting elected, it was totally fair, totally, totally legal under the FIFA laws. He's responsible to the heads of the 209 national soccer federations that, that, uh, that elect him. And he, he's, he's made enough of them happy to stay in office. So that's totally fair if you just look at it from a legal standpoint. You know, it's, it's, you set the stage very nicely um, for this discussion about um, maybe a little bit more direct democracy in, in the game by pointing out that while, uh, while we have these figures who are you know, either being taken down, like uh, Ricardo Teixeira, who you mentioned, um, you discuss in, in the piece, or, or, or even in the case of somebody like the Domenico Scala, who isn't implicated in any of the corruption, but sort of had glowing words for Sepp Blatter, it indicates that, that disconnect between the people running the game and, and the rest of us who, who don't want to sit idly by while they, uh, while they corrupt it. To share us specifically, th- this, is, this is key for me. I, I, love this, uh, I love this paragraph um, about the way that, that he went about his business, which was extremely corrupt and, and, uh, and, and profited himself. Uh, in one sense, to share didn't min- mismanage the World Cup 
uh, in the slightest. And 2000, the 2014 tournament cost the Brazilian people dearly, but, in, but it enriched the private citizens responsible for producing it, from Teixeira to the contractors that built the stadiums to FIFA. So it, again, it's it's sort of that th- this is a this is a closed system that that is um, pro- they're all profiting off each other. What is the impetus for change? Yeah, so Teixeira is like the one of the most extreme examples. Uh, you know, I don't think that every head of head of every federation is is as corrupt or you know self serving as, as he was. Um, but you know, yeah, like the basic idea is that where does all this all the money first in the in the game of soccer come from? It comes from the fans. Yeah. It comes from the fact that we watch the game. Uh, so TV contracts are lucrative. It comes from the fact that we buy the jerseys. So jersey contracts are lucrative. You know, all the money that comes into the national federation to club teams. It comes ultimately from us, from fans, people who who are giving their their time and their their interest to to the game. So my argument is, why don't we treat these more like I don't know national utilities like water or electricity? Mm-hmm. Why don't we treat mm-hmm. them like uh, something you know a public good rather than uh, a private you know something that you know U.S. soccer for instance uh, the federation I think it's generally very well run, uh, but U.S. soccer didn't patent soccer. There's no reason that that you know. Uh, some, some people who, who really we have no fans here have no say over, over who, who they are, why they're in charge, uh, shouldn't have, you know, wh- why they should have sort of a monopoly on, you know, the national team here. Um, just because FIFA sanctions you, uh, we've seen, you know, FIFA is not <laughs> right. a transparent organization. We just need a little bit more direct uh, say in how these things are run, and I think that would change a lot. No, no, it's it's obviously a, a a lovely idea in principle. In practice, do you see any 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 pitfalls? I can think of a couple, and, and mostly they relate, <laughs> George. They mostly they relate to what's important to the fans, and and I think disproportionately, what's important to the fans is the success of their national team, their men's national team. And then that mm-hmm. opens up questions of whether or not other aspects of what U.S. soccer or any federation does would get left by the wayside or or completely neglected by a fan base to voting simply to put money into let's get as many uh, senior national team players out of our system as possible. For sure, yeah, there are definitely some some issues with you know my 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 article is not a complete proposal, but um, you know like for instance. Uh, there are some pretty racist and homophobic and generally, you know, in my opinion, bad soccer fans, mm-hmm. especially, you know, if you look in, in, in Europe, um, I, it would be a shame for, for that kind of group to get control of, you know, the Polish uh, Federation or something like that. Right. Uh, you know, also the, the system that I proposed of, you know, paying dues in order to be able to vote mm-hmm. um, is not perfect either. You know, you don't want to disenfranchise uh, people who can't afford that. You know, because they may love soccer just as much as, as everyone else. So, you know, th- those aren't perfect solutions. Um, but the general idea that you know uh, the people of Tanzania should should be able to have a say over how their federation is run, rather than one chosen very lucky guy from Tanzania. Uh, you know, because because the, the basic the canard is that FIFA is a very democratic institution. Well, it kind of is in the sense that small countries get the same voices as large countries, but the people within those countries aren't actually yeah. represented. So in that case, yeah. it's sort of like saying, you know, the Senate is a purely democratic institution, even though the people of Iowa have, you know, the same say as the people of, of California, even though they're, you know, there's like, what, like a fraction of the, the yeah. people in, in Iowa as there are in California. It, it just seems as though we've, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is that these people that are in charge of the game, the world's most popular sport, a game that engenders so much passion around the world, 
are just people who who went out and staked a claim before anybody was really looking, and now they're entrenched in those positions. And the question is how to how to how to get them out of there. Exactly. I mean, you know, I I feel like uh, if if we had elections here in this country, what what do you think would happen? I, I think what would happen is. You know, it, it, it's likely that Samuel Gulati would be reelected as president. I think he's generally done a very good job. Um, you know, people quibble with certain things, uh, but but those things wouldn't just be quibbles anymore. They would be, you know, planks in a platform that Samuel yeah. would have to run on. So, hey, do you think we should have Jurgen Klinsmann as our coach? Well, it, actually, you'll get a say in that because you'll get to vote on the guy who hired him uh, in the next election. Do you think that we should have, uh, you know, cast around for uh, an alternative set bladder back in the 2011 election. Yeah, I realize, you know, you need five federations to, to nominate a, uh, a candidate for, for future president, but we didn't do that. We, we cast a vote for set bladder. Uh, and to me, you know, if we can, if we have a forum where new ideas are, are actively being promoted, if, if people are forced to, to take sides on, on issues that are important to soccer fans, if we're able to put pressure, even if we're not going to, you know, even if a candidate for U.S. soccer president doesn't, doesn't have a chance to win, but they can exert some pressure on the guy who eventually mm-hmm. does or the woman who eventually does, then that, to me, that, that validates the, the process. And, and you know, it, it seems like a, a way to incorporate more viewpoints and the, the general uh, feelings and thoughts of, of the people, the many millions of people in this country who, who really care about it. And you, you spread that process throughout the world. And you begin to have a very powerful system for change. And yeah, I'm I'm suggesting that we politicize soccer. There are some problems with that. I mean, I, I obviously I know that people come to it just to enjoy it as an escape. Uh, and so this may not sound that appealing, but honestly, if we don't push for something like this, then I think we sort of lose our right to complain about FIFA because what are we doing? To yeah, you know, I think we've we've come to the crux of the situation for me, George, is that that everybody says, oh, we need to fix FIFA, we need to fix FIFA. And yet nobody really has a notion of how to do that, at least until I've, I, I read your piece. There may be some, some other people out there saying, tweak this, move that, you know, change the way the voting works. I, I think that all of those are cosmetic more than anything else. The, the issue for a lot of people is just flushing the system of all of these people, but then the system is, is, is sort of in place to just replace those. It's very much, I mean, I hate to make the mafia uh, comparison because that's, everybody uses it, but, but they always say, you, you know, take out the, 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 the mafia boss, he's just going to be replaced by somebody else. Yeah, exactly. You look at Scala and look, that guy has, as far as we know, done nothing wrong. He's, you know, he came in, I think in 2012 when a lot of the stuff had already happened, but you, you just get so disheartened when you see, uh, when you see the guy who replaces Seth Blatter on the stage after he announces that he's going to retire, uh, and, and it's a guy that, you know, has been in FIFA for a couple of years. I mean, it's, it's like. Do we lose you, George? This change, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we lost you for a second. It sounded like you like do- dove into a pool in the middle of that, that sentence. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. Am I back? Yeah, yeah, I think you're back. Go ahead. Just finish that. Re- restate that last thought. I was just saying that, you know, that, that's why it's so disheartening when you look at a guy like Domenico Stala and you say, okay, you may have done, you may have done nothing wrong, but, you know, you, you are part of this organization and you have been for a couple of years. And so you are in some way complicit with what's going on. If you didn't speak out, if you were in FIFA and you did not speak out when everything, you know, all of this stuff was, was not, it was not known, uh, you know, it was not like sort of legally admissible maybe, but, but we all knew. Everybody knew. Nobody was surprised when FIFA, when these guys went down. 
you were in FIFA and you weren't saying anything about it, that's a problem for me. That, yeah. that, that makes you, if not complicit with what they did, at least, yeah. you know, not the kind of person that I want representing me in, in FIFA. I want yeah. somebody who's going to say, no, screw well, that. I'm going to change something. Yeah, you know, and this is, this is why, and, and it's, all, it's all sort of corruption-adjacent situations as far as I'm aware because there are no legitimate <laughs> accusations, but I, I, there are plenty of people out there uh, and it's a small minority, but it's a, it's a vocal minority, George, who will flat out say without any compunction that U.S. soccer is corrupt. And and I it's I, I can say well, okay, look, the the there as far as we know, the FBI is not arresting anybody directly involved with, with U.S. soccer. But then again, they they worked uh, they worked you know hand in hand with Chuck Blazer and and Jack Warner for years and never said anything. Yeah, I, I, you know, until 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 something comes to light, I would hesitate to to make that accusation. No, of course, for sure, right? You know, I think that overall the the federation has been been very well run. Uh, but right, so the the issue is not that that you know U.S. soccer has been doing anything wrong, but it's like, hey, you know, can we can we get you guys to be an advocate for the things that we as soccer fans want a little more? Um, and to me, that's the issue. You know, you know, I'm glad that, that U.S. Soccer cast a vote against Chuck. Uh, sorry, against um, against Blatter in this last election. But why didn't we do that? You know, four years ago. Why Why did it take the FBI going and very publicly arresting, or I guess the Swiss authorities very publicly arresting chief officials for us to say, oh, maybe we shouldn't vote for Seth Blatter? Um, and, and yeah, I realize he ran unopposed in 2011, but you know we didn't nominate anybody. We didn't, yeah. you know, w- what were we doing to try to find an alternative? I have no idea. And that, guess what? We can't find out. There's no way to find out. Um, I, I've I've asked, and right. there's no there's no answer for yeah. it. Now, obviously, Grant Wall, you know, ran in 2011 and, and sort of was trying to shine a light on the on the ridiculous uh, process that was involved in running for. FIFA, or trying to run for FIFA president because again, the back in 2011, the rules the rules were you you need one nomination from one federation. It, it, nobody got one. Nobody was willing to step up and challenge that bladder. This time around, we get a couple of uh, of candidates, but only, it seems only because there is some dissatisfaction that was identified. The, the nobody wanted to rock the boat then, and very few are willing to rock the boat now, especially with those countries as you mentioned who. Have the same the same number of votes or the same voting power as as the bigger countries, right? You know, and look when I when I when I think about how it could be run, I think of teams that are publicly publicly owned. The Green Bay Packers is an example I mentioned in the story. Also, Bayern Munich, Barcelona. Uh, you know, and and I'm not claiming that you know, especially if you look at Barcelona, right? It's not it's not free of scandal itself, but um, you know when when. When an election comes up, there are real arguments and real issues on the table that that are, are going to be you know decided upon by the people who who care about that club the most, the socios. Yeah. So you know, I, I would love to see American Outlaws have a. Uh, we lost uh, we lost George's quality for a second. Is it? Let's see. There it is. There it is. Yeah, it came okay, back. Go, go ahead, George. Sorry, you love to see the, you love to see the American outlaws. Dot dot dot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like guys, you know, people like that having a say. The, how passionate are, are those fans? I mean, you know, uh, and so if you demonstrate a level of of you know feeling and care for for your national team, you should have a say over it. I, I don't think it should be a private enterprise, something that that you know just a few people are able to profit mm-hmm. off of, which is the case now. Um, I think it, you know, it's kind of a national resource. The national team, there's only one, and and we share it, and so we should all have a say. I think in in how it's run. That's my basic my basic thought. 
it, it, it's 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 a very nice thought, Joe. I'm not trying to t- I'm not trying to puncture your balloon here. I'm just. <laughs> it, 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 you know, I, I, the, I'm, I'm so cynical by from all of this, from the whole experience, and and really, this is the the, the sad part, and this is really you know at the heart of of what you're trying to get to because you, as you said, it's an escape. Being a soccer fan makes you cynical, which is not how it's supposed to be. I still enjoy the game. I still love watching the game. I still take joy from the sport itself, but following everything that surrounds it makes you incredibly cynical. And so for me hearing this idea, I just, my brain starts rolling with, okay, now we're talking about special interest groups within soccer. And that that, that stuff just makes me sad. George. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. No, look, that's the case. But right now the special interest groups are, you know, the manufacturers, the apparel manufacturers, the TV, the TV, the TV channels, the, you know, uh, I would rather, Look, the, those those groups will always have a, a huge say in how soccer is run, and and you know have have good relationships with people who run it. But um, you know, right now there's no recourse for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and look, I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that you know, let's say the U.S. somehow we we were able to institute this change. I'm not naive enough to think that that would matter uh, in the general scheme of how FIFA is run. But you know, you, if you you could see it starting to matter if. You know, if more and more countries, if if the soccer federations of more and more countries become uh, democratic institutions rather than you know rather than just sort of these enclaves for for you know the higher ups to to, to run things, yeah. um, that's that's a that's a way that's a movement that I could see happening. And and you know, I got somebody on Twitter saying to me, uh, "Look, it's it's not a it's look. Let's just leave it to the players. The players are the ones who are really affected. They work that. I, I just disagree with that. I, you know, I think that we all have a stake in this. Um, you know, fans should should care how soccer is run. I, I also, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Look, you look at the NFL. We know what playing in the NFL does to the brains and the bodies of the players there, and yet we still watch. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that. Um, you know, we could really organize some kind of general mass action. Uh, to to do this change, but Wait. but you know I, I I don't think that should stop us from trying. I mean I think the effort itself just to try something to to okay to fix it so, is so important. What you're saying, George, is that we shouldn't start the movement here on Soccer Warning to get a million soccer fans to march on Soccer House in Chicago. That's not what you're saying. <laughs> no, we should we should we should do something with Howler, with Soccer Morning, with with like-minded organizations who can muster up you know a couple thousand here, a couple thousand people there. Uh, you know, American Outlaws, I don't know if they would get involved, but that would be a pretty oh, powerful organization. If we got all these people saying, hey, you know what? We're not going to buy the next jersey. Yeah, we're not going to go to the next friendly. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to show you what kind of power we have when we, when we all act together in the interest of, of some sort of greater good. You know, and this, does, this doesn't have to be an aggressive move on U.S. soccer because of some perceived failures of that organization. This is just, only has to be about... As you said, getting the fans more opportunity to have a say in, in what happens and for U.S. soccer to be a leader in an area that nobody seems to want to step out and, and be a leader in. I mean, we, we haven't seen any country really take that step and say, enough of this nonsense. We are going to either forge our own direction or take take a leadership role in getting other countries to do something that will actually fundamentally impact how FIFA is run because it's right. the only way anything gets better. Well, so, uh, you know, I've been moving this week to, to Florida, so I, I was sort of out of commission, and we have a, we have our own podcast, Dummy, uh, that comes out, you know, came out yesterday, and I listened, I was working out last night, I was listening to 
the you know my replacement we had <laughs> we still had dummy uh, and David Goldblatt who's a regular was saying you know the the DFB president has sort of come out with some new proposals which are sort of you know and he was pretty vague I haven't I haven't had a chance to investigate it but he said you know some of it is is about you know democratizing how the DFB is run uh, which which I think is interesting and if that's the case then that that's really heartening mm-hmm. um, but yeah you're absolutely right I mean you know in the statement that that U.S. Soccer put out you know Sunil that Sunil made after Blatter's election, it was all about how, you know, okay, we're going to continue to work within FIFA to change, to change FIFA. And I'm thinking, you know, and, and he's saying, you know, good governance is, is the top priority. You know, we want FIFA to become responsive and responsible to fans around the world. And I'm thinking, okay, that, that's a great sentiment. That's fantastic. I don't, I have no idea what you're doing behind the scenes to right. try to change FIFA. I haven't seen any tangible results. And so I, I have to imagine that if, if you are doing anything, they've been failures to this point. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, you know, uh, if, if you really believe that, that FIFA should become responsive to fans around the world, then let's start with our own federation. Right. Open it up to a direct yep. popular election. Yep. Uh, become responsible to your own fans first, and then we can see about the rest of the world. Let's let's for, let's stop with uh, with the the empty rhetoric and actually do something. I, I, yeah, let's uh, let's get that campaign. Get we'll, we'll pick a day. I don't know when, and we'll get uh, as many soccer. Hey, look, the crossover is obviously massive. So soccer morning slash howler reader slash. Dummy listeners slash everything else. They should all we should all figure out a way to get to to soccer house, get some placards together, uh, and 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 just make your voice heard. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know. If we're going to be serious about that. What is serious? Well, no, I wonder, Jason. I wonder if your listeners. You know, we we sort of put it out to our listeners. I wonder if your listeners have any ideas. Like, what would you do? What 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 do you think yeah. would be most effective well, uh, to it, to change to change stuff? Here? I, I, that, that's, I, a, I, that's a question I think every soccer fan should try to answer, even if. You know, even if you don't come up with anything, because it seems like it's a big problem. I agree. I mean, look, I, I think that it go, has to go beyond. We're, we're in this this era now, George. Where it's like, oh, are you upset about something? Tweet your displeasure. No, 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 no. That's not going to be enough in this situation. Even a letter writing campaign, which would be marvelously old school, isn't really going to have the impact unless we're talking about trucks backing up to the to the front door of Soccer House. This needs to be, and maybe you direct this stuff to Columbia University uh, for a particular reason. There needs to be there needs to be some direct action and a visible, very visible statement of intent by the people who who might. And again, we don't know. We don't know if American Outlaws would jump on board here. We don't know if there's and you know it's going to take organization. So uh, maybe we take the temperature of all of those people out there um, who may want to see some change. And again, there may be some pain involved. I think this is important to remember, George. If the United States decides to take a leadership role, they can do it internally and maybe not have any impact. But there's a lot of question of whether or not. U.S. soccer and Sino Galati are willing to do something because it may negatively impact how the United States does within the halls of FIFA for in various areas, including getting a World Cup ever again. I think that we have to get past that. I, I agree with you completely. I mean, if you if, if you take the view that hey, you know what, let's just keep our heads down and uh, play by the rules FIFA has established, then uh, you know you have to remember that you're working with an organization. That uh, that is really uh, really pretty dirty, uh, you know, and so that makes that makes us kind of dirty, I, I believe. Uh, and and I don't want that to be the feeling that I have when I watch soccer. I mean, yeah. I, I realize right. Jason, you and I, uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about soccer, and and I think you know uh, it can become you know you want to you want to have meaning in what you do, so you sort of seek out the uh, 
you seek out the tough issues and the, the things that, that bother you about the thing that you do. Um, and I, I don't, I, I know that that's not the case for, I think most people, I think most people come to soccer and say, yeah, that player is awesome. I really enjoy watching on Saturday. And I understand that's a, you know, that's, that's really the, the, the major appeal of soccer. Um, but I think the reason that you and I are talking about it, the reason journalists uh, who cover soccer are talking about it is because we don't want to sit by and just be cheerleaders for something that we think could be a lot better. That, that's, that's important to remember. Um, we, we, want, we want to improve the thing that we, that we care so much about. This is really coming from a place of, of affection and wanting to, wanting to better it, you know? George, uh, the cover of the most recent edition of Haller Magazine has uh, Carly Lloyd, uh, about to kick Seth Blatter's head, I'm assuming very, very far, uh, very hard. Um, just give me a give, give me a quick overview of what's in this uh, issue of Howler and where people can go to learn more and get their subscription. Yeah, we actually that that cover went to the press uh, the week before these indictments were made, so we just got very, very lucky with the news cycle. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we have we have a bunch of stuff. Uh, we have a huge timeline uh, of Arsenal Football Club. We have a profile of Mixed Discrude. We, we took him to a, a hair salon in New York City and, and shot his, uh, his photos there. Uh, we have a really great Jason feature on uh, Parma Football Club. That club uh, has now been bought, but uh, twice since December, when the story is written, they have been sold for one euro uh, both times, which is just insane. And it's sort of symptomatic of you know, how Italian soccer is you know, kind of going bankrupt, and it's a, it's a really amazing feature. Uh, we have you know, just sort of if you've ever seen Howler, we have the, 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 the usual mix of humor and essays and thoughtful pieces and feature writing and profiles uh, that we have in every issue. So you can go to shop.howlermagazine.com to get that, uh, and we hope you'll check it out. Um, we, we, really, we really love reaching new, new people, and your listeners, I think, are the exact kind of audience that we, that we would appeal to. Yeah, go support Howler Magazine. As I said, this is issue... Eight, uh, you know, we all remember, well, not all of us, but a lot of us remember when you're getting this thing off the ground, George. And uh, as always, it was one of those touch and go things. Is it going to work uh, even if you get it funded? And here you are and it's still going. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud to have played some small part in, uh, in getting, helping you get it off the ground. And, and I love talking to you about this stuff and hopefully we'll get you back uh, in the near future. Same here, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Love what you do. No problem, man. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines and talk whatever's on your mind on a Friday. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are on a Friday talking soccer on Soccer Morning. Give me a phone call. Let me know what's on your mind. 646-832-3909. That's the phone number. I was going to say it again. I screwed it up. 646-832-3909. It's Friday. Your brain sort of leaves your head, goes off and does its own thing for a while, and then it comes back, and, and you don't really understand what's going on with it. And, uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about what's going on this weekend. We can also touch on a couple of interesting stories around the Internet this morning, including this one out of Santiago, Chile, which is where Copa America is taking, part, taking place this year, 2015. Remember, there was a scheduled or is a scheduled or possibly will be a scheduled Copa America Centenario in the United States in 2016. From the AP, the future of next year's Centennial Copa America will be debated in the next few days, the treasurer of the governing body of South American football said on Thursday. The tournament in the United States is in doubt because of its connections to the FIFA corruption and bribery scandal. A U.S. Department of Justice indictment included allegations that more than $100 million in bribes were promised to secure the rights to the showpiece event. Here's your quote. We are watching how events unfold, and the investigation is a concern to everyone. Carlos Chavez, who happens to be the treasurer of uh, Commonwealth, as mentioned before, and the president of the Bolivian Soccer Association, said to the Associated Press. Uh, Jose Luis Meisner, the second in command at Commonwealth, and United States Soccer Federation President Snoop Gladi have said they are worried about the viability of the tournament. Obviously, we know that Nicolas Lioge was taken down in, as part of the indictment by the FBI. Uh, by the Department of Justice. And now here we are wondering if this tournament's going to happen in 2016. This is the first I've heard of possibly maybe. And uh, there is some other news out there on on Twitter that says that the rights will be rebid in light of all of the uh, bribery uh, with that uh, that took place to get the rights to traffic sports and uh, $150 million to be repaid by the founder of traffic sports and obviously Aaron Davidson dropped uh, a bo- uh dropped uh, as part of that in, uh, FIFA invest- or the investigation uh, into FIFA as well Roberto in Connecticut what's going on my friend uh morning Jason um I just have a couple of questions about um the uh gold cup coming up I'm going to be in Boston mm-hmm. for the um, United States Haiti match I'll be covering it for a um, website and I was just wondering do you feel that Clint, after the Clint Dempsey incident, and I know this is probably highly unlikely, that Jurgen Klinsmann might have second thoughts of possibly not even including him on the provisional squad, on the final squad? I don't know. I I I doubt it. I think that um, Klinsmann is a practical enough kind of coach that if Clint Dempsey's not suspended, he will include him. But um, I I don't know. The, the captaincy may come into play, but th- that's also causing ripples within the team that. Maybe you don't want it to cause in the middle, you know, right ahead of a gold cup that you need to win to secure your place in the Confederations Cup. I think, I think that there is something to be said for whether or not this team is, is not better off, but if it, it would, might be okay on some level to start the process of removing Clint Dempsey from being a, such an integral part of the team now rather than later. What, what I'm saying is if you, if he is suspended, if he goes out, then if he's not available, then maybe that's that's okay from a developmental standpoint for the team. Who do you think would be the ideal replacement as captain? If that's the case. Oh, Michael Bradley's the replacement. There's there's no doubt about that. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Um. um go ahead. If, no, I'm saying um 
I'm looking at the squad right now, and there's 35 players. Who do you think you could see as a possible surprise inclusion and exclusion from the team? Uh, I need to look at it uh, in terms of, I mean, inclusion. I think I think I think Jordan Morris would be a surprise for me. I don't think he'd be a surprise for a lot of people, but he's still a college kid. He doesn't have a professional contract. Uh, he's got a long way to go, but Klinsman likes him enough. I'd be surprised if he was included in the team. In terms of exclusions, I mean, beyond Dempsey, um, I don't expect any any real surprises. Uh, maybe somebody like uh, Matt Beasler. I suppose Matt Beasler could be left out if uh, Klinsman doesn't uh, think he's he's up to ta- up to the task and he likes Alvarado and uh, Brooks that much. All right. And um, just one last thing, switching to, um, topics. Do you think that Raheem Sterling would fit well in Manchester City squad if he if he does sign for them? Does anybody ever really fit well in Manchester City squad? I mean, they're <laughs> they're just kind of this this collect. I mean, they're, they're the Yankees. They are. You, you know, you bring in an all star at every uh, at every position and expect to win titles. And while that that can work, it doesn't always work from a uh, chemistry perspective. Yeah, I could see, I could see that, I could see that working, but I don't, I don't know if his head's on right at the moment. To be honest with you, I, I, I don't want, I don't like over being overly critical of young players who who are still growing into themselves. But Raheem Sterling seems to have a, a couple of issues in terms of focus and and understanding what's best for his career right now that that bother me. This whole nitrous thing, I'm not overly concerned about that, but the fact that he keeps doing it after getting caught is stupid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess you would want to say he's still a kid, you know, he's 20 yes. years old and he has a yeah. long way ahead of him. Yeah, exactly. He's he's so young and you can only imagine that all of these numbers being thrown around and the talk about his valuation and the whole Liverpool contract nonsense has only swelled his head more. And and if anything is going to ruin a player of that caliber at that age, it's all of this talk around how much he's worth and where he's going. If he had just signed the contract with Liverpool, because he was going to make a ton of money. Regard, I mean, you know, it's easy for me to say, you know, there's not a. It's easy for me to say, take the money. Who cares about an extra couple million pounds when it's when I'm not even anywhere close to that. I, I know for him, it's about maximizing the career and getting what he thinks he's worth. But he hasn't proven it that much yet. I mean, just maybe for the sake of your of your growth, sign the contract with Liverpool, stay in that system, deal with a coach and a staff who knows you, players who who understand you. And and you'll get better now with this whole you know he's twenty and he's gonna go to City or he's gonna, Arsenal or whatever I I just think it's it's out of control for a player that young. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're turning down a contract worth a hundred thousand a week. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I couldn't fathom doing that. I again, I get it from his perspective. A shorter, you know, you're an athlete. Your career runs until you're thirty five, thirty six, and then you're you're really cashed out. You might as well get what you can when you can. And I don't ever begrudge anybody the right to maximize their earnings, provided they're not hurting anybody in the process. But this isn't the this whole process has not been the right thing for Raheem Sterling's career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the transfer um, yep. window now. Yep, absolutely, Roberto. I agree with you on that one. All right, thanks for taking the All right, enjoy the the Gold Cup. Yeah, uh, thanks. Right. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, the uh, the Gold Cup. I I don't think I'm making it out, making it out to any group stage matches. The United States plays in what? They play in Frisco. Where else do they play? There's a. I need to go look at the schedule. I just did the other day. I know that they're up in. They they should be. They should be. This is not a guarantee. I'm not counting my chickens, etc. They should be in Baltimore for the first knockout 
uh, round match. I can't. I can get to Baltimore, so perhaps I'll I'll be able to do that. And if I can get to Baltimore, we will have some sort of soccer morning event somewhere. Uh, maybe at uh, what's that? At, Trevor, you wouldn't know. You probably don't know Baltimore very well. There's this there's this bar right next to Camden Yards that people go to drink at and have good times. But ha- but d- especially during day games, it's a great spot. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, reminded that I'll be doing Rabble.tv again tonight for FC Dallas and uh, the Colorado Rapids. So partake in that. It happens at 9 p.m. Eastern time at Rabble.tv. And I'll tweet out the link from my uh, Twitter account uh, at DavisJSN. We'll probably hit it from the Soccer Morning account as well. Um, should be a good time. Not sure if I'm going to have a, a guest host or a, 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 a partner in crime on that show, if it's just going to be me or that game. Uh, it's just going to be me, but should be a good time regardless. Let's go to Mike in Cincinnati. What's up, Mike? Hey, man. How's it going? It's going well. What's uh, what's up in your okay. world? Well, uh, just uh, actually kind of thinking and responding to that kind of Karachi uh, uh, discussion that you had there. I, You know, the, the idea of kind of instilling change and, and, and kind of uh, organizing and stuff like that, I think it's tough. You know, if you can't figure out what it is that you're you're organizing against in, in the first five ten seconds, of just kind of bringing it up, it, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to get a lot of people to get behind something. Yeah. But um, you know, thinking about FIFA and how they really went after Mohammed bin Hammam and that kind of vindictiveness and retribution, I'm I'm wondering if that you know trying to anticipate FIFA's next move. I mean, cynically, I'm thinking Seth Blatter is going to be reelected and he's going to be kind of you know made into this. You know, rising phoenix creature by by the FIFA ne'er do well. Yeah, yeah. And like, where where you know the, the the retribution against U.S. soccer might be coming, and it might be something petty, and it might be something that's really ridiculous. Uh, and and I'm wondering if that you know, not just throwing like the certification of MLS or something, something really kind of. Uh, out, no, I no, I, I can't imagine happen. that. I can't. I can't imagine that. Talk about. Yeah. Talk about talking about crapping where you eat. Uh, Mike, if FIFA did that, they they would have some issues, I think, with sponsors with with, a, with an American corporate community who has increasingly come to see MLS as, as something worth investing in. I don't think FIFA would risk that. I, I think that FIFA would have second thoughts about messing with corporate culture in America, and that and MLS is certainly tied into that. What what there could be retribution in the form of maybe just you know avoid nothing nothing active, all sort of passive. Not giving the United States mm-hmm. an opportunity, a, a real, true opportunity to, to host the World Cup, because you can always say, "Oh, well, that was just a better bid. It wasn't our fault. We didn't push for that." <laughs> um, but here's the thing: yeah. if you believe retribution is coming in some form of or another, why not just double down and say, "Screw it! It's coming anyway. Let's go ahead and go all out. Let's let's be the ones to pull the bandaid off and do either do what George suggests and open up U.S. soccer to." This more ge- de- uh, democratic process where the fans have a direct say in the running of the of the body, or be the ones to say enough with FIFA. We're going to go and we're going to act- actively talk to these other countries now. Again, uh, you know, if I suppose that if if somebody within FIFA had enough momentum, they could find some way to uh, to to ban the United States provisionally from from tournaments or strip them of yeah. something or the other. But again, I think if I, I think that that would be very difficult to pull off because even if the United States is not liked you know, on the world stage or in the soccer world stage, there would be a massive backlash. That would be petty. That would be over the top for FIFA to say, well, you can't play in a World Cup or something ridiculous like that. 
So I think why not just go, if you think it's coming anyway, why not just go out and be the leader? I just think that the FIFA has to drop the hammer first before you can get people to come out and do it. I don't think people just will anticipate that it's going to happen and, and then act. Oh, no, so that's, yeah, no. That's really my only kind of comment. I think that you're right. I think people would be scared. I mean, I, I can. it's easy for me to say that. Thanks for the call, Mike. It's easy for me to say... Just go be the leader if you think the retribution is coming. But if you don't know what actual retribution is coming, your instinct is to sort of just cower in fear or decide or try to try to to, to work your way back into the good graces of the people in charge. And again, this, this is all fundamental to the broken system that is FIFA. That that certain individuals hold so much power and certain individuals are so untouchable as part of that structure that it, it creates these situations where you've got. A, a soccer federation, a member federation, regardless of whether they're powerful or not, that has to go and grovel or has to, because their government did what was right and went after corruption, that doesn't make any sense. And yet, we all know that that's the level at which FIFA operates. We all know that that's, that's how FIFA thinks about the world. It is FIFA, FIFA, FIFA. If you, if you cross FIFA, be prepared to pay the consequences. That's just, it sucks. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Are you at all heartened to hear Carlos Chavez of Bolivia say that they're going to talk about Copa Centenario and it's not necessarily dead yet? Does that encourage you at all? Because I was looking forward to this tournament. I was really, really looking. I mean, Gold Cup's great. Happy to go out to see some Gold Cup action this summer. Well, I hope I make it. But that tournament next year was going to blow the doors off of American soccer for the first time since 1994. I mean, let's be honest. For the first time since 1994, the United States would have the eyes of the world upon it in a soccer context. There was going to be a, an attendance record set because they're going to put that thing in Jerry World, in, uh, in MetLife Stadium, in the Rose Bowl. In give me another. I mean, the, the big house in Michigan, maybe that's not really the the that's a big stadium, not the best. Yeah, maybe this tournament. I mean, am I wrong to say that if you did it right, this tournament could average eighty thousand people a match? Even for something like Bolivia Ecuador, you're gonna get eighty thousand out. I don't know what the Copa America attendance is like in Chile, but I guarantee you it's not that big. Partly because they don't have the stadiums that big. This, this entire tournament could be held in stadiums that are over 75,000 capacity. And again, it would blow the doors off. Stephen Clark, I am talking about Pickles. Thank you very much. Pickles is what I'm talking about. That's, that's a great name for a bar next to a baseball stadium. And uh, obviously, um, uh, M&T Bank Stadium is right there if you've ever been to Baltimore. Uh, the football stadium and the baseball stadium are very close to one another. Maybe we could do something on the Inner Harbor. I haven't been to Baltimore in a while. I always, I always dug Baltimore. Visiting, maybe not live there. No offense, Baltimore people. But I always dug Baltimore. It's a great place to go hang out. Uh, I need to look at those dates. But if the United States wins their group, they would play in Baltimore in the uh, in the first knockout round. I think that's right. Can we get some confirmation on that? Can I... Uh, can I look that? I can try to look that up on the fly, but we're going to get some confirmation. Let's go to Washington in uh, in New York. Some thoughts on 
Copa Fantastico or Centenario, depending on your particular uh, chosen uh, nom- nomenclature. What's up, Washington? What's up, Jason? How's it going, man? Um, I was ecstatic to hear the news that somebody's talking about it because it was one of these things where no news was bad news because if you didn't hear about it, I kind of just assumed it was over. I really did. I thought, nah, it's not happening. But uh, I'm glad somebody's talking about it. I'm glad, I really, like you, I was really looking forward to this tournament. Like, I was really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be, I think it was uh, Andres Canto who said it was going to be a mini World Cup. I agree with him 100%. It's going to be a mini World Cup. Not only is the attention of the world going to be on the United States, but the United States is going to have uh, uh, an international platform uh-huh. with players, with teams like uh, Argentina and Brazil, who are you know five-time world champions and two-time world champions uh, in the tournament, which is something that we've never had. I don't think we've ever, uh, besides the World Cup, obviously, but we've never had a you know a regional, the Gold Cup. Uh, we've never, well, no one in Coca-Cola's won the world championship so we've never had that i i i hope it happens i think it's going to be great for u.s soccer and i hope it's a first step for many things to come i hope it does happen it's, it's such a great idea that it just it, it makes you sad that these individuals decided to use it for their own personal gain and, and, and that, that it became necessary for traffic to be bribing people left and right to get the rights i mean it, it, it's it it just sucks, and, and I know I get it. Like, like you, Washington, I hope it. Uh, I hope it happens because not only the worst part of this all. The worst part is that you know if it had something to do with soccer itself, I'd understand if they cancel the tournament. Like if it's something to do with soccer, the sport, you know, like uh, you know the, the the talent wasn't there or a team cheated or something like that, then I understand. But it has to do with the 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 the, the bean counter side of it, and that's what really bothers me. Yeah. Exactly. We don't want those people to have such an impact on on the sport and on something. On a, again, on a great idea. Now, it may have been their idea originally, and they may have been it may have been conjured up to line some people's pockets. But it's still a good idea. That doesn't change the fact. It's still it a, it's still a good idea. And Stephen is pointing out on Twitter that it would run essentially parallel concurrently with uh, with Euro twenty sixteen. So you would have you would have think about now. I I'm in a position where I could watch all of this, and and I. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't say it because some people can't. But I can watch. I could. That means I could watch Euro games in the morning, and Copa Centenario games probably in the evening during prime time. I'm sure there'll be some day games, but it'd be like like late afternoon. Oh my god! Like I can't even. I can't even fathom how amazing that would be. I'm gonna be calling in sick a lot next summer. I just tell you. That. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. Like I would have to put the show on hiatus. There'd be so much soccer. I don't even be able to handle it. Like I, it would just just oh, that, like you everybody can't say that. take a that, break. Well, no, no, of course not. Take a break from soccer morning and go watch. No, I wouldn't do that. No, nah, because I would. I have to talk it out. I have to get all of that information out. All right. So, oh, so we. Man, thanks a lot, man. I gotta get going. Thanks right, a lot. There goes Washington. We cross our fingers. We hope and we pray, and we think. Good thoughts. We send positive vibes in the direction of the Copa Centenario for 2016 because we want that to happen. Again, even if the United States doesn't show well, which, of course, we want them to, and, of course, it's better if they do, and there will be some opinions on a failure, et cetera, et cetera, as the host country, even if they don't show well, it will show it will give the opportunity for the United States to put on the on the biggest stage possible the growth of the game. Now, think about 1994 for a second, okay? And a lot of you are are either too young to remember or weren't even born yet. But think about 1994 and the record set and the interest in, their interest in that tournament at a time when soccer's profile in the United States was minuscule. It was nothing. 
There was no professional league of any real note. There was indoor soccer was the prevailing type of soccer in this country. Uh, there was no televised soccer, even from around the world, on anything that anybody ever got outside of you know a weekly program with Bundesliga highlights. It was only the beginning of the internet. We hadn't even gotten into a discussion every single day about soccer the way that we do now. Not on the not on a mass level. There were no streams for that reason. There was no internet. The internet couldn't handle that. You're dialing up with your 28.8 to get internet streams of games happening around. No, of course you're not. So think about the difference in where soccer was in 1994 to where it is in 2015 and where it will be in 2016. And think about how massive that would be. As Washington, uh, as, as we sort of outline there, as Washington said, Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Colombia, Paraguay, throw them in there too, talented team. You, you bring those powerhouses to the United States and put them in a competitive environment, not this, not a friendly at MetLife between Argentina and Brazil that ultimately means nothing and is more about the show. That, by the way, that game sells that stadium out every day of the week. No, you put them in a competitive tournament where there's actually a, tur- a, a, a trophy on the line. And the United States is going after it because damn right we want to win a trophy and damn right we want to do it in the United States. And Mexico comes here with the same attitude. Of course we want to win a trophy. And hell yes, we want to do it in the United States against Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, Colombia. Of course we do. That uh, I, I can't even do it justice. It would become a seminal moment in the soccer history of this country. And that's why it sucks that it may not happen. That's why it sucks that corruption and bribery are threatening the tournament. And why it's slightly, slightly heartening to hear that they're at least talking about whether or not it can happen. That there's no radio silence on on the front on that front anymore, and that there's a possibility they could rebid the tournament, do it appropriately, do it do it correctly, do it legally, and then what? Then we end up with what? Fox, right? Maybe again, but but with a proper bidding process or ESPN. Maybe ESPN says, you know what? We didn't get the World Cup. We lost out on those rights. FIFA sucks. We go after this. Boom! We blow the doors off Copa America 2016. Could be could be amazing. 646-832-3909. Getting ready to wrap up a Friday edition of the web show here on worldsoccertalk.com. Thank you very much for listening as always. George Qureshi with a good guest uh, appearance today. Some interesting ideas. Go read that piece, Who Owns Soccer? at um, you know, uh, Who Owns Soccer? at the New York Times Magazine. Let's go to uh, Mike in Wisconsin. Mike, I apologize. I saw I saw your name. I thought you were the other Mike, and I'd already talked to you. What's up? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because I have a lot of the sort of same subject matter to talk about. But I love the show today. I was really happy to hear George on. And this is just, I'm excited about soccer. I love soccer. <laughs> but I'm also excited about all of what's happening and what's possible now. And, you know, so that's where I kind of want to take the conversation is, George had sort of touched on, okay, everybody, send us your ideas. But I kind of want there to be, you know, in the media, you know, hosts like you, people like George, 
saying, here's the way to understand it. You know, ownership, super important. George, like, nailed it on that. Representation. We're not going to democratize the team. We're not going to take Twitter votes on who should get subbed in right now. Oh, we're not? Damn it. Damn it. (laughs) Right. Of course. Of course. No, no. Throw all the pieces up in the air, you know, and have these conversations. This is what, you know, the middle of the week on a weekly show could be like, at least from my perspective, would be really exciting to hear what are the ideas. Uh, um, What's the guy who's on the dummy podcast? Um, Goldblatt. Oh, yes. Thank you. David Goldblatt. Um, he's got a ton of ideas. I've been across Latin America and the reflexes around democracy and cooperativization and, and representation and how to do things in big groups is really powerful, sort of mm-hmm. way down at the, at, the, at the grassroots level. And I'm sure there's just tons of ferment in Central America and South America around what's possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's, I don't know. That's why I'm so excited, and that's why I called in. Is just because uh, I see this opportunity. I see you engaging in this really uh, compelling way, and I just wanted to give you props. I appreciate Say thank that. Thank you, and I love okay. the show. You're you're such a wonk, and I love it. Um, this is this is an opportunity. I mean, while you're talking, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, I don't really want to write. I don't want to write the proposal. I'm not that guy. Certainly not on that level. I can talk these issues right. out. We, my, my, my talent lies and I'm not trying to, to blow, you know, I'm not trying to blow my own horn here, but my talent lies in sort of seeing things from many perspectives and, and, and discussing which, you know, which perspectives are appropriate um, and, and trying to provide context. So I, that, that would be my role, but somebody should absolutely. And we can bring on, Excellent guests and people who are interested, and I'll, I'll throw yourself, you know, throw you into this mix as well, Mike, because you're clearly on top of of what's happening here. George is one of them. There are there are lots of smart people, not just in the American game, but around um, uh, around the world who who we could talk to about this and maybe come up with yeah. some sort of of working document, an ongoing process that somebody can, we'll put out proposals, we'll we'll debate them, we'll consider them, we'll either reject them or put them forward, and maybe some sort of actual manifesto can, can be created from, you know, from the fan, from the fan perspective, from the the people who want to see better ownership of these processes. I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) <laughs> there you go i mean not everybody gets excited about that stuff mike and i think you understand that a lot of us and, and george said oh. it so for a lot of us the game is an escape we want we don't want to think about what sep blatter is doing sitting in his ivory tower stroking his white cat we want to be watching right. the games and seeing you know quadu uh, poku with an overhead kick and and seeing these amazing yep. goals and and watching copa america for the passion that's that's there the problem is and what people who are, just want to escape into soccer should recognize is that all of that is impossible if we don't figure out how to actually administer the the game properly. That's right. And all this corruption is so disappointing because it's so beneath what happens on the field. You know, we all get excited and expired by all this excellence and all this achievement and all this drama. And um, I think we all believe that our culture is capable of operating at an equal level, sort of administratively behind the scenes, yeah. you know, and it's just, you've got to get, it's, it's, for me, it's almost like human evolution. You know, we just got to get um, a lot of these old practices, old ideas out of the way and really get our arms around what's possible yeah. and make some stuff happen. So um, yeah, I'll, 
contribute to a document. I'll make a Google <laughs> Doc and invite people, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We'll, we'll figure out some way to, to come together as a community. Uh, you know, this is, I know for a lot of people, this is high minded stuff and, and they'll yell at their, or their podcast machine or their radio or whatever and say, this is sports. Stop with this stuff. But again, right. I think that more than any other sport, soccer lends itself to these questions and to, even if it's not necessarily straight democratization, at least mm-hmm. some sort of, of opening of the doors when it comes to, to access, to influence, and to ownership. I appreciate yep. the call, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thank you. There you go. That, that's a good way to close out a Friday show. Uh, don't think about that this weekend. We'll put that on hold till Monday. Go watch your soccer. Enjoy MLS, Copa America, Women's World Cup. There's a full, full slate of games. Go to backhill.com uh, slash store to buy yourself a soccer morning mug. We've got t-shirts over at uh, 3nilfc.com. Uh, lots of stuff happening. I'm wearing a t-shirt from um, our friends over at LBF. Trevor doesn't like it when I do good my free ads, but... I love this shirt. I love uh, <laughs> I love Zlatan. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Bye.